Jesus the King calls followers to learn from him. But instead of the wise and learned, he calls on some failed fishermen to become fishers of men. On The Bible Brief. Did you know that The Bible Brief is a listener-supported show? Consider becoming a monthly supporter at our link in the show notes. The fishermen had been out all night with nothing to show for it. They'd been fishing out on a little sea in the northern part of Judea, something that we might call a very large lake. It was called the Sea of Gennesaret, the Sea of Tiberias, but most commonly, the Sea of Galilee. And it was the largest of two prominent bodies of water within the small land. In the north was the Sea of Galilee, and in the south, at the termination of the Jordan River, was the Dead Sea. If you weren't fishing off of the Mediterranean coast of Judea, the Sea of Galilee was your place. And yet these fishermen had been out all night, and they'd come back with nothing. Not a single fish despite a whole night's worth of labor. They'd surely tried many common locations and taken their two boats to areas that would normally yield a catch of some kind. But despite all their best efforts, nothing. You can imagine their discouragement upon finally arriving back at the shore that day. As they cleaned their nets, they knew they'd have to go at least a day with no income. They knew they'd have to get back on the sea before long, hopefully with more success next time. As they cleaned and mended their nets from their fruitless catch, however, another odd thing began to happen. A crowd began to approach the shore where the fishermen were. And in the midst of the crowd, they could hear a voice speaking and quoting the scriptures that each of them were familiar with. Words of hope that their whole nation had clung to for so long, and words of teaching on how to live life in the midst of the current generation. The crowd was so pressing in on the person speaking, trying to hear every word, that before long the man actually stepped out of the crowd and onto one of the boats. The man got onto the boat, sat down, and continued to teach from the middle of the boat. And this was the oddest thing of all. One of the fishermen knew exactly who this man was, and he understood that odd was going to be the order of the day, because this man was unlike any other. This man was the Messiah, and he was on their boat. Andrew had been a follower of John the Baptist, who would often go out into the area of the Jordan River to listen to John and to follow his teachings. And Andrew, he remembered that one day when John made the most consequential observation of them all. This same man on their boat was the one about whom John had said, Behold the Lamb of God. This was the one that they'd all been waiting for. Andrew remembered excitedly telling his brother the news too, before he'd brought him to Jesus. And Simon, his brother, he'd had an odd experience too. He'd come to the Messiah, and the man simply said to him, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Peter. Andrew had brought his brother to meet the Messiah, and they'd left not with a blessing per se or something of the sort. Instead, Simon had left with a new name. Peter, meaning rock. Andrew and Simon were surely a little shocked that the Messiah Jesus was on their boat. But as they continued cleaning their nets, they listened intently to what he was saying. Words of life unlike any they'd heard before. Soon he finally finished teaching for the time, 
and the crowd began to disperse before the man who'd hopped onto their boat finally turned his attention to the two fishermen. What he said to them, however, was the next odd occurrence of the day. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Perhaps Andrew and Simon thought that Jesus might be trying to teach some sort of object lesson with the nets. They weren't resistant to Jesus' command, yet surely they harbored doubts about what this would achieve. They'd been out all night after all. The fish, as far as they were concerned, might have just sprouted wings and flown to the Dead Sea to try to live for the night. Yet they assented to Jesus, pushed the boat from the shore, and took their clean nets to dirty them some more in the waters of the Sea of Galilee. But what happened next would shock especially Simon Peter to his core. Immediately, they could feel the weight of the nets was different than it was before. Immediately, they could hear the strands of the ropes begin to tighten as the boat shifted in the water. And just as immediately, they began to yell to the other boat to come and help them. Soon, Andrew and Simon began filling their boat with the greatest catch of fish that they'd ever experienced. But it was too much for their boat alone, so they began filling the other boat of their fishing partners too. Both boats were so filled with fish that they had trouble even staying afloat. The men were completely astonished at the catch of fish, but Simon Peter was perhaps most astonished of all. In fact, his reaction to this miraculous event is a telling one. It's a response of utter humility in the face of an absolutely unexplainable event. Unexplainable were it not for the presence of Jesus. So Simon falls down at Jesus' knees and says to him, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And Jesus said to Simon and the others, Do not be afraid. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Simon Peter had insight in his humility, and surely he spoke words that were in the others' hearts as well. He knew his unworthiness to be around such a divine encounter. Something like this could only be done by the power of God, and Peter knew that he couldn't ever deserve such a thing. Surely he didn't think that the next words out of Jesus' mouth would be words of comfort and commission. Do not be afraid, and follow me. Peter and the others could do nothing else but obey the Messiah, and so they left everything and followed Jesus. He would become their teacher, their rabbi, teaching them not how to fish in the Sea of Galilee, but how to fish on the land. These four fishermen would become fishers of men. Andrew, Simon Peter, James, and John, four disciples of Jesus. The calling of these men became the seeds of a large following that would come to Jesus in the coming months and years. A following surely made of some of John's disciples like Andrew had been, and of many others from all walks of life. As Jesus' fame continued to spread, more came to follow and many to hear what he had to say. In fact, soon after the calling of these first disciples, he did something that would cause his fame to spread like wildfire in the region. We read this in Mark 1, 
starting in verse 21. And they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You can imagine being a bystander there in the synagogue, the Jewish gathering place for scripture reading and teaching. Here Jesus comes in and begins to teach. And then suddenly a man comes in and begins shouting at the teacher, shouting about not just himself, but us. What have you to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? And not only that, but the man called Jesus the Holy One of God before all these people. Then Jesus responds. Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him and crying out with a loud voice came out of the man. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. The people in the synagogue saw something truly spiritual in the midst of them. A demon, an unclean spirit, and a servant of Satan had been dwelling in the man who'd come into the synagogue. And this demon had no question of who Jesus was, even if the surrounding people still did. The demon knew that Jesus was the Holy One of God, who had all authority and power to completely destroy not just him, but all the demons. The us wasn't a reference to the other people, but to the other demons. The people had turned up to hear Jesus teach at the synagogue, but they also got front row seats to further spiritual warfare. Jesus had recently returned from the temptations of Satan in the wilderness, and now the forces of darkness, so hidden in the past, were being revealed in the light of the Son of God who'd come into the world. Through Jesus, heaven had launched a sudden offensive on the land of Canaan, an offensive that would drive out demons not just from this man in the synagogue, but from people oppressed all throughout Judea. The forces of Satan would face defeat after defeat. But eventually, Satan would come back at a more opportune time to try to finish off Jesus once and for all. Between now and then, however, Jesus had work to do. John the Baptist had prepared his way. Jesus had begun calling his disciples, and his fame was spreading far and wide. Now, this prophet like Moses would deliver something new to the people. A teaching with authority. A manifesto for the kingdom of God. A clarification of the law that would spell sin for the righteous and righteousness for the sinner. Jesus, the king, is just getting started. Join us next time as Jesus gives one of his most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible.
Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.